I'm Richard Fieldhouse and this is the NASGP's The Art of GP Locuming podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by GP Dr. Leela Saeed, um, who has written an article for us for the uh, website uh, magazine. It's called Difficult GP Consultations. So, Leela, so, thank you so much for uh, 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 talking to me today. Um, so, first of all, really, uh, let, let's, let's hear about you. Who are you? What do you do? What, what, what are you up to these days? Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for inviting me uh, today, Richard. So I am a portfolio GP. I uh, finished my GP training in 2017. And since then, I've had a mixture of um, locumin. With uh, starting off as a locum when I first uh, finished my GP training, and I did that, um, well, I've continued to do that uh, for the, these last couple of years. Um, I also work as a salaried GP one day a week. And on top of that, um, I do medical education. So I work at um, a private medical school teaching uh, preclinical medical students. Wow, so you fit an awful lot of different jobs in. So, so you've got, a, got a fixed place of work, a roving place of work, and, and also med school teaching. That, that must, be, um, uh, must be quite a joy, actually, to teach sort of younger people, as I call them. Probably more... Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's wonderful. Um, so, yes, yeah, so what is it that you, because you approached us and wanted to write this article uh, about difficult GP consultation. So, so give us an example of, of what a dif- difficult GP consultation m- might go like and also what, what prompted you to then sort of think about it and, 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 and write this article. So um, for me, what a difficult GP consultation is, is that it's one that will leave you as a GP locum feeling slightly um, dishevelled. It it might be, you know, verbally the patient wasn't uh, completely happy or even, you know, before the lockdown, it was a sort of non-verbal communication. And it just, you get this sense that the, the patient basically wasn't satisfied with their consultation. Um, and it, it, that can be for many reasons. You know, the patient wants something in particular that unfortunately we can't provide, or it might actually be uh, uh, the GP's feeling particularly tired on that day or is not you know, on 100% of what they would normally be like. And, and most of the time it is an amalgamation of lots of different um, aspects. You know, it's like this fish cheese model. So um, I, I've got many examples um, and the reason that I really chose to speak about this is because um, one thing that I love doing as a GP and I think is really important is debriefing with my colleagues um, who are GP locums or um, salary GPs and, and having that sort of five minutes to, to tell them how you feel and if you've had any experiences with a patient. And actually with, with my colleagues that I speak to and my friends that I speak to, there isn't something that's unique. It happens to a lot of people where we have these consultations that we both uh, the patient and the doctor just feels not 100% satisfied with what's happened and it can leave you feeling um, you know, slightly demoralised and you know, so that, that's why I chose to do this article. And that, so you're, you're, you're coming at this from, 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 a, from a sort of a 360 degree perspective, aren't you? You talk, you, you talk about the, you mentioned um, obviously from the patient's 
uh, 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 sort of unmet needs or, or feelings of anger and frustration that they may have, but also the the impact that it has actually on the GP. You talk about being demoralised, um, dishevelled, uh, uh, and, and all these different things, which uh, I, I guess when you're talking to your colleagues, it sounds like it may well be sort of one of those things that's often foremost on our minds, is, is that's going to have a knock-on effect for the next patient um if you if you if if uh, if your resilience has been uh, uh, attacked as it were or drained um and that's going to have a knock knock on effect so when when you're when you're when you're talking to your colleagues what sort of language are they using are, are they are they uh, is it about um is it, is it about their their sort of how it from from one end of the spectrum, I guess you know it, it, it's it's delaying. It, I guess they're long surgery. It's delaying them. It has an impact on the sort of patient management. It's they they can be a, a difficult type of consultation to handle, but also one that's that that's you you mentioned demoralised and and how is that having an impact on them as a GP going forward? Yeah, so really it depends on who I'm speaking to. Uh, I have. The people that I tend to go to would be someone that I feel would give me constructive feedback on the situation. Um, And I've got a really good uh, GP locum friend who gave me some really interesting um, information and and kind of took me out of it. And I think that's really important as a GP locum to not make it personal. Because you do, you kind of walk away from it feeling, oh, it must have been something I did. It must have been something I've done. Um, So you become very sort of introspective when in fact, um, this particular friend that I've got turned it on its head and said actually see it from the patient's perspective which sometimes you know it is difficult to see it from the patient's perspective when you, you haven't you know you've had a negative consultation that you and you feel like oh you know I just have to um move away from my computer and, and leave the room I need a few minutes and you you can feel slightly angry so um this advice that my friend gave was very much see it from the patient's perspective um you know th- there may be a reason that they're feeling particularly um, angry or sad, you know, they've got their own motives and it goes back to um, ice, you know, ideas, concerns and expectations that we're so frequently reminded about during GP training and now as a, as a locum GP and as a salary GP, I, I really appreciate and those three questions can um, certainly get me out of those consultations and, and what I speak about on the article. So um, in regards to your question, it, it's a variation. Yeah, sometimes um, my GP friends will, will soothe me, soothe, soothe my ego, um, but to tell the truth, I must admit the best advice um, that I that I want to hear is essentially let's deconstruct the consultation. What actually happened? Why did it make you feel like that? And actually, let's see it from the patient's perspective, which I, I find much more helpful. And what what what? Um, so, what advice I'm already taking away from this is 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 speak to your mates, have a chat with your friends. Um, I'm, 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 it sounds like you've you've been talking to them, and they're reflecting back at you and listening, mm-hmm. and 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 going from there. And you've obviously found that very powerful, so much so to to, to motivate writing this article. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think as GPs, it's a very isolating job. It's different from um, working in the hospital uh, where you're essentially part of a, a physical team. Um, as a, and especially as a GP, like, it can be quite isolating um, at times, and especially if it's a, a new surgery or you're not familiar with the staff. So I'm, I'm definitely an advocate of communicating with your um, medical friends. Um, sometimes non-medical friends can be helpful, but I guess they don't completely appreciate what it feels like to be a GP locum. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a fan of uh, expressing to people how you feel and not keeping it inside you and not dwelling on it and catastrophizing in your own head and, and just expressing it. And and and, and, and the, the whole sort of catastrophizing thing is is some, something that that is almost addictive, isn't it? Sometimes, particularly at four a.m. when you've I find when I've had a difficult consultation, it's usually the next day, 4am, you wake up thinking, oh God, you know, what did I do? You know, I, I can't sleep. I'm going to be knackered tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, how, but, 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 and, and your, 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 your suggestion of, of sort of don't, don't take it personally can be, can be a hard one to do. So, so you mentioned sort of deconstructing what, what happened. Is, is that, is, do you think that's something you can just do yourself uh, or, or does that, does that need talking to a second person to do that? Do you think? I, I agree with what you've just said about the following morning. And I always feel that things seem clearer either when I'm driving home um, everything just comes to me as I'm driving home because I guess you're away from the, the stress and the pressures of you know, seeing patients. Um, and usually, as you said, the following morning, everything clicks into place and I can almost see it very clearly as to what could have possibly have happened. I, I feel that sometimes you have to appreciate yourself and deconstruct it in your own mind in order to then take on the advice that your friends are telling you. Um, that might not always be necessary. There are times that I've had um, a consultation where the, you know, the patient hasn't been completely happy and it's resulted in me um, you know, feeling slightly on edge. Um, and you sometimes do just want to pick up the phone and say, oh, God, I can't believe that this happened and I, you know, they, they shouted at me, et cetera, whatever did happen. Um, but I guess that's not as useful as the following morning. You know, actually, I had this rough consultation yesterday and, you know, I just want to talk about it and get a bit of advice. So I, I guess it just it depends on what you're looking for at that immediate moment, whether you whether want quick gratification from a friend to say you can do it um, or actually if you want to have in depth, you know, let's talk about this, what actually happened and why did it upset you? How did you feel? Um, and I'm lucky enough to have people that I can turn to without um, judging me or telling me that you should have done this, you should have done that. And, you know, having this sort of essentially having that community, having that open conversation with other people. It's really powerful, isn't it? Do you, do you, when you're sort of in the next morning kind of deconstruct you, do you, do you ever write stuff down? Do you actually sort of make any notes at, at any point? No, I don't, not, I don't mean in the patient record itself, but to yourself, mm-hmm. do, you, do you jot anything down? Do you do a mind map or a planner or something? Or, or, or do you have any tools that you, 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 you might find useful as such? So I, during the uh, pandemic, I started journaling. Um, you know, what I always speak to about my friends, they always laugh at me. But essentially, yeah, I do. I, I journal in the morning and I journal in the evening. And I think that really helps me to write down what I'm thinking, especially if it's been a busy day at work. Because it's very difficult trying to work out what it was exactly that happened. Um, and in your mind, you can catastrophize or you can... Um, you can't see it so clearly when it's in your own mind. So yeah, I do like to write things down um, and uh, sort of reflect on what's happened and how I can change it. Because at the end of the day, and the whole point of the article was essentially 
obviously our, our main aim is for is patients. Patients is the center of our care, but essentially we also have to look after ourselves. And sometimes we forget that. So really the article is aimed at local GPs and how we can have longevity in this, in this career and the path that we've chosen. Um, it's the oxygen on a plane model, isn't it? It, it? It's when the oxygen masks come out, you, you, and you've got a kid next to you, you put it on yourself before you put it on your kid. Because if, if, if you, if you can't work, then, 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 then as a carer, other people suffer. So, you journal in the morning, you journal in the evening. Apart from that being a fantastic pop song, um, and I'm going to do that after this, um, is there a, is, is there a, is, what is this journaling? Is there a structure to it? Is there, is there, is that, that sounds fascinating. Is there something, is there a, a, a sort of advisable way to do that? Or is it you just literally get open a notebook and just start writing? So it's based on, um, I think it's called the four, five minute journal. It's like a famous book and I, I have no affiliation with them. Um, but yes, it's essentially three particular questions you ask yourself in the morning, three particular questions you ask yourself in the uh-huh. evening. And in the morning, it's, um, so what am I grateful for? A positive affirmation um, and how am I going to make today great? And for each of those, you do three points. Right. I have seen those pop up on Facebook adverts. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I'm making. I've done my own version. I haven't haven't got it. Um, And then in the evening, it's um, three good deeds that you've done, um, three ways that you can improve tomorrow, um, and three good things that you experienced. There's almost uh, a market here, but uh, uh, I'm thinking of a sort of a, a template. We, we can even sort of create any SGP-wise, which we've already got what we call post-surgery debrief tool, which is, we, you know, which you can download, fill out after surgery, and it sort of prompts you through, you know, what went wrong, what went good. It didn't, doesn't say it is in an exciting way, as you just said. Ours are very much more uh, plain and boring, but, it, but, it's, but it's a tool that, that hopefully will then stop those 4 a.m. wake-up calls. Um, and it's precisely because um, um, my wife, also a GP, and I kept, got these 4 a.m. wake-up calls. And what can we do to stop this happening? And worked out that it's actually it's because um, we kind of hadn't we hadn't finished off in our brains. I hadn't switched off yet, and and, and we and this this sort of debrief tool sort of help us switch off. Um, yeah. And we also developed uh, for any SGP and our appraisal aid a, a document to um, um, to actually write down and record uh, a, a consultation. It could be a, a clinical clinical consultation but it could be exactly this sort of thing but um the beauty of that being that you can then use it as points for appraisal or evidence should i say for appraisal so as you would record of it without you know giving any patient details now you, you mentioned as as as, as, as you know, working as a locum so do how what do you think obviously lots of locums will be listening to this podcast is what specifically do you think as a locum um, might make uh, you kind of, I guess, more uh, uh, more, of a, more of a target to be attacked? I don't mean it like that. I mean, what makes you more vulnerable? That's better. What makes you more vulnerable, do you think, as a locum working in different practices to maybe patients, you being at the pointy end of their, of their mood today kind of thing, or, 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 or genuine grievances that they have or, or genuine... Um, it, you know, clinical issues that they are—they have every right to be angry about. Is there anything? Do you think uh, is that something us as locums might might be might be uh, at the business end of more so mm. maybe than others? And is and if so, is there anything you think that we could do or the practice can do 
or the the continuity of record can do to help prevent that yeah so um as you as you put it you know gp locum is why we may be vulnerable and you know i'm an advocate for gp locum i love it but it it there are it's sort of um it, not negativity, but that, that sort of vulnerability. And I think the one thing, um, and I always use the word logistics to my, my friends, is sometimes it's the logistics that might let you down um, as a locum. And what I mean by that is you're not familiar with the systems of how referrals work and who to speak to if you've got a concern within the surgery. And so you almost have all the knowledge in your brain, but then it's the logistical thing that slows you down. And sometimes that can have a, a major impact on you. So you may know the answer to the, the patient over in front of you. You know that you want to refer them to respiratory, but you can't get your head around why, you know, how do I do the referral? Do I type it? Do I dictate it? And that can slow you down. And it can, you know, it can stop that flow of the surgery. Um, other things are the familiarity with staff. Um, again, it's, you know, know who do I quickly ask a question to? Um, how do I contact someone within the surgery? And uh, I guess it's that aspect of, of things that might make you more vulnerable um, as a locum um, and can slow you down. And things that can help. And one thing that I do really helps me um, is I have every single day that I, I work as either a salaried or a locum, a to-do list. And it's five things are always on that list. Um, and it's split up into AM and PM, little boxes that I've, you know, reminded of being a junior doctor. Um, and that's pathology, uh, patient tasks, jobs, tray, and scripts. And so at least I've got something in front of me. And regardless of uh, what surgery that I'm in, um, what my actual, um, you know, tasks are that I, I should be doing as this locum shift, it's always those boxes. And so at least I can walk away knowing that I've, I, I've covered all aspects. Um, uh, of, what, of my, what my day entailed. So you've developed almost your own toolkit, um, haven't you? In, 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 in the talks we do, we, we talk of the locum exoskeleton, which is sort of like a suit. Think of it as this invisible suit you put on, which has got radars and armour and, and sort of little missiles on it. I must think of a different non-military analogy but 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 it's to, it's a way that that can help protect you and, and and enable you to to go out there in, in a robust way so you've got actually go you go in plan you've planned this ahead haven't you and yeah. uh, and to have that structure to to help mitigate against um mm. against these sort of uh, uh, issues that might arise but also if they do you've got some you've got some built-in resilience there as well that all sounds very smart and intelligent and yeah. and I guess is that something you've done developed yourself or, or or was it something that you got taught during training or you've just an amalgamation of different things I think it was an amalgamation I must have done it as a GP registrar um, I, I always love a tick box, it, ticking things off, physically ticking things off, um, has always been something, you know, that's that's how I know it. I can see something physically in front of me that's been ticked off. And um, and it, I guess it's reading books. There's a, a the, the books, they're black box thinking and how they speak about the who checklist. I, I, I love a checklist. I think it's really important as, um, as doctors that, especially as local GPs, that we are, as you said, protecting ourselves from, from you know, mitigating circumstances because there are lots of things happening to us on a daily basis. As a local GP, um, we are working at such a speed. We've got so many things to be dealing with, patient complaints, um, not patient complaints, but as in, um, they're presenting complaints. Um, we've got, you know, external situations. We've got social things to deal with. So, 
it, life as a, as a GP is not straightforward and therefore it's nice to know that there is a common theme for when I'm doing a shift and there is a common um, sort of piece of paper that I can refer to to ensure that I have done all the things that are necessary on that day. Because you can't rely on your, on your memory all the time, unfortunately, because there's just so many things happening. Yeah. So, so it's a very well thought through strategy and approach. And is this is this approach that you take, is that something you've been sharing with, with, with your friends and colleagues as well? Um, I Yeah, I do. I do speak about um, my little tick box. It's very difficult because obviously, um, you know, as a GP, I'm, I'm sitting in my room by myself, essentially, as a, as a GP locum. But yeah, my colleagues know that that's what I do um, before I leave for the day. Um, they know that I'm ticking, you know, I'm making sure that all my boxes are ticked off. And I think it, it's a really good way that it's, it makes me feel happy and content, essentially, when I jump into my car and I'm driving home, um, that nothing's been left um, unattended. You know, things have been glanced at, my bloods have been looked at today. So that's a, it's a nice, satisfying um, feeling when, you're, when you've had a long day at work. Yeah. No, I've, I've just ticked off on my list here is, is make Layla make Layla think that she can write another article for us so I think <laughs> I've done that one as well tick um, no that's that, that, that's 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 so interesting Layla. And, and and thank you so much for uh for, for, for doing this there's lots more in that article readers I think it's worth a good read and I particularly liked what you talked about in, in terms of surrendering so if you if you're intrigued by that read, read the article and mm-hmm. um and you'll learn what that's all about so thank you once again uh, real pleasure to have you on and um thanks for joining in the podcast and uh, and see you soon thank you thank you